we haven't met before, my name is Garrett. Welcome to Fervent Church. Uh, really glad that you're all here this morning. If you could turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 1. We're still in Mark chapter 1. Yes, we are. But we're going to be finishing it up, up next week. Um, so Mark chapter 1, beginning in verse 29. says this, as soon as they left the synagogue, they went into Simon and Andrew's house with James and John. Simon's mother-in-law was lying in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. So he went into her, took her by the hand, and raised her up. The fever left her, and she began to serve them. When evening had come, came, after the sun had set, they brought to him all those who were sick and demon-possessed. The whole town was assembled at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and drove out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And then very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he got up, went out, and made his way to a deserted place, and there he was praying. Simon and his companions searched for him. And when they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. Actually, in the original language, it has the uh, uh, implication that, that, what are you doing out here, right? What are you doing out here, Jesus? Don't you understand that everybody's looking for you? <laughs> and he said to them, let's go to the neighboring villages so that I may preach there too. This is why I have come. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Your word is truth. Your word is what we need daily, Lord, to help teach us your grace and your mercy and open our eyes to your face so that we'd see wondrous things in it and through it. And Lord, that you would shine upon us as you speak to us. And so this morning, Lord, I know um, this is a common thing that we always look at, Lord, but Lord, would you help us? Help us to just have total, absolute dependence upon you. That we would learn and grow to depend upon you in everything. That we wouldn't take anything into our own hands, but we would Give it all to you and, and trust you with it because that's who you are, Lord. We can trust you with everything. And so, Lord, I don't know what people have come in here struggling with this morning, but I know, um, Lord, everybody has things maybe in their family or with their health or finances or with their kids or, or, or whatever, with their parents, whatever it may be, Lord. I pray, God, that you would just touch their lives, Lord, that you would set their eyes on who you are and what you want to do in their lives. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week, Jesus, he gets up early in the morning and he goes into the synagogue. And he goes into the synagogue and he begins to teach. And when he teaches, the people were astonished and amazed at his authority. Because he had been preaching as one who has authority. And then immediately he shows his dominion over all creation and the spiritual realm. 
And he casts out a demon and he tells the demon to shut up and get out of the man. And all of a sudden now, everybody, there's this buzz going throughout the whole place and this revival begins to, to break out, basically. His fame spread to the whole region. And so that's what we looked at last week. Jesus is authority uh, over the word of God. He is the living word of God. And we also looked at his authority over the spiritual realm and all creation. And now we see his authority over the physical realm. As he goes into his, uh, Peter's mother-in-law's house and he walks up to the bed. And you know what? This is really cool because he cares about the little things. It doesn't matter. Jesus cares about the big things and the small things. God cares about the big things and the small things. He is infinite. So there is no big or small to him. Okay? He is an infinite, almighty, powerful God. So when he sees something, when we go to him with our problems, and immediately when Jesus walks in, what does Peter do? He goes over. He says, Jesus, come. My, my mother-in-law lay sick. Now, a lot of you are thinking, I just let her lay there, right? No, my mother-in-law. No, I'm just, bad joke. Um, <laughs> but Jesus goes in there, and he heals her, and he raises her up. Now, I love this about Jesus because Jesus cares about everything. The one who all things exist, the Jesus, the all-powerful one, the all-knowing one. He comes in, and he heals her. He cares about her sickness. And sometimes I think we hold back our prayers in that area. We're like, you know, this thing, I, you know, I don't need to take this to the Lord. It's too small. I, I mean, I, I, I just don't, don't want to bother him. But that's not the God I serve. God says bring everything. And this is part of that dependence that I want to talk about today. God says bring everything to me. Bring every care. We're to pray without ceasing. We're to acknowledge him in the morning. We're to acknowledge him in the evening. We're to acknowledge him all day long. And interesting, Peter wrote one of the most awesome verses in all the Bible. Cast your cares upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. And another cool thing is if you look here, she, what does she do? She jumps up immediately after she's healed. Verse 31, so he went to her, took her by the hand and raised her up. The fever left her. And what did she do? She immediately began to serve. She was, sealed, she was healed to serve. Interesting. She received a touch from God in order to be used by him. How amazing would it be if the whole church was like this? How amazing after we're saved, after God touches our life, after God heals us, after God does a miracle in our life, after God does something miraculous in our life, we actually get up and we begin to serve him. We say, Lord, because you cared that much about me, because you say, cast your cares upon me because I care for you, because you saved me from the wrath and the death and the destruction that I rightly deserved, now I'm going to serve you. If the body of Christ functioned like this, could you imagine what the world would be like? Could you imagine what the world would be like? Problem is, a lot of Christians, they, they get saved and they become uh, uh, pew sitters. Uh, I like to call them fat burping sheep. You know, a lot of head knowledge, but it hasn't fallen the 18 inches to the heart. It hasn't gone to their feet, hasn't gone to their lips, hasn't gone to their hands. And, but not, not this woman. She jumps up and immediately begins to serve in gratefulness Jesus. And I think we can see dependence in that too, dependence on the Lord through that. Now, in verse 32, it says this. Verse 32 says, When evening came, 
After the sun had set, they brought to him all who were sick and demon-possessed. So, so, so track with me for a minute. This is a serious, busy day in the life of Jesus. Jesus gets up early. He goes into the synagogue. He preaches the word of God. He casts out a demon. He goes back to Peter's mother-in-law's house, probably to, uh, expecting a meal. She's sick. He raises, her, he raises her out of her sick bed. And now evening, most likely because good Jewish boys would probably be about six o'clock after the Sabbath. So we're talking about from probably seven in the morning now till about six o'clock. Now the whole town is coming to Jesus. Imagine, they're at the door, they're in the hallway, they're, they're bringing people, they're getting people healed, and then they, wow, that was awesome. And they go get another person. They begin to share, Je hey, there's this guy named Jesus, right? And, and they begin bringing people to Jesus. You know, there's four people in this room right now that got saved under the ministry that I was involved in in, in Idaho, they're, they're here. Two of them have just moved here, and the guy that actually took my place pastoring in Idaho's here. And so I want you to meet him afterwards, but here's my point. What did he do? Justin went and got his brother Colton and brought him to Jesus. Peter went and got his brother Andrew and brought him to Jesus. So they're seeing this revival break out, right? It, they're, they're seeing this, and I went and got my brother and brought him to Jesus. And that, that's the way it should be. And that's why if you don't have a fervent friends card, I want you to grab one on your way out and write the name of seven people that you're gonna begin to build a relationship for, with and, and pray for and cultivate and, and bring them to Jesus and bring them to church or bring them, to, bring them to, to, to the Lord Jesus Christ because that is where the coolness of life, the sweetness of life is, is when you begin to see people that you're in relationship with come to Jesus. So here's this revival. It's broken out. They're bringing people to Jesus, right? They're bringing people to the God most high and, and people are getting saved and lives are being changed and people are getting healed and demons are being cast out. This is a radical moment here. Yet in verse 35, after, after they keep bringing people to Jesus, and, and this was an incredible long day of ministry, way into the night, here is an, a, an amazing verse, and this is where I want to spend the majority of our time in, verse 35. It says this, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he got up, went out, and made his way to a deserted place, and there he was praying. So get this. They didn't start bringing people till six in the evening. He'd been up since six or seven, probably way before light that day too, pray, praying and seeking his father's face. And then ministers all day long, all day long, he ministers and he still gets up early in the morning to seek his father's face. If you want to know where Jesus' power comes from, if you want to know where Jesus' words come from, if you want to know where Jesus' strength comes from, if you want to know where Jesus' endurance comes from, you want to know where his patience comes from, you want to know where his healing and his miracle and his power and the leading of, of Jesus Christ comes from, right here in this verse is where it all happens. And what do I mean by that? You see, Jesus knew the secret of a day and how to maintain a day that he just went through. Jesus knew the source of his power and his intimacy with the Father. Jesus knew the cause 
of the authority that was in his life. He knew where it came from. It didn't just manifest itself. It didn't just happen. Jesus spent time with his father and he never missed a day. Because Jesus knew that if he did not seek his father's face early in the morning, then he might not go to the right place or be led or say the right, I mean, with me anyways, I know if I don't seek the Father's face, but personally, I like the first thing my eyes to see the Word of God in the morning, and the last thing for my eyes to see is the Word of God. I like to talk to God first thing in the morning. I like to fall asleep talking to God in the morning. I mean, in the evening, sorry. <laughs> this, is what, this is where the sweetness comes. Friends, this is where the power of the stream of living water flows out of our lives. You will never experience the greatness of God, the power of God, the healing of God, the joy of God, the peace of God, the, 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 all the things, the intimacy of God, the communion of God, Him speaking to you and you speaking to Him in this relationship. You will not experience life the way Jesus did without doing what Jesus did. It's impossible. You will never grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ without this special time with the Father. You will not hear what he has to say to you, what he wants you to do, where he wants you to go, what ministries he wants you to, who he wants you to pray for. I mean, it is so amazing. If you begin to do this in your life, you will see amazing things. And it's interesting to me when I do counselings or whatever. I can get in a counselling situation with somebody or a couple or whatever, and I can ask them a couple of basic questions, and I can really, and, and you know, okay, Garrett, pastors always say this. This is what pastors say. Pastors have to say this, right? That's not true. I fall short. I have a little girl named Peaches, okay? If I get up at 4, she gets up at 4.15. If I decide to sleep in at 4.45, she, she has this internal thing going on that, I mean, if I, and so I grab her Bible and I sit down, Peaches. You do not say a word, you look at this. But Peaches, not saying a word is like literally impossible. So I love her to death. And I was sharing this earlier, but like I go out with my little ginger here, right? And, and I'm like, how's your day? And she's like, fine. And I'm like, so what's new? Oh, nothing. I mean, and we're having this, I'm like trying, you know, we're having this conversation. And then on the way home, she says, dad, that was the best time ever. I love you so much. And I'm like, okay, awesome. I love you too. You're awesome. And then I go out with peaches and we're sitting across the table, and, 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 and it's not a conversation like you're supposed to have with God. You're supposed to talk to God, and then you're supposed to listen to God talk to you. But with Peaches, it's like, and I'm like, and then she takes a breath. I'm like, so how's your day? But, but with, with, with the Lord, with the Lord, and I love her to death. But she has so much to say. And sometimes we're like that with God too, right? We're talking to God, we're talking to God, and we don't spend any time listening to God. Now anyways, back to the counseling session. I'm in the counseling session or whatever it is, and I can ask two questions. I say, what kind of fellowship are you in? Okay, we're going to be start launching our fervent groups in a couple of weeks. We'll give you more information. Chris will give you more information on that. But here's two things I, I know in, in a counseling situation. Number one, 
What's your, what's your time with the Lord like? What's your prayer life like? What's your time in the Word like? What's your, your time, time listening to God? What's your devotional life like? Let's just call it what it is, right? What's your devotional life like? Nine times, no, not nine times out of 10. 99 times out of 100, they'll say, what devotional life? Second question I ask is, are you in a small group? Are you in a, a, a life group? We used to call them at the old church, okay? And they'll say no. It's interesting, though, when I, I mean, very rarely do I have a person because usually those, those people don't make it into the office. Now, some do, but mo- most don't. So, so what does that tell me? It tells me that this time is a time of healing. This time is a time of strengthening. This time is a time of leading. This time is a time of humbling. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will lift you up. And when I spend my time repenting of my sins, you know, I, I clothe myself in the morning. I clothe myself with Jesus' righteousness. I ask, I say, Lord, clothe me with your righteousness. Give me, give me power for today. Fill me with your spirit. Give me eyes to see what you want me to see. Give me ears to hear what you want me to hear. And, and Lord, <laughs> and, and trust me on this one. If I do, if I miss that time with the Lord, I can say things that I wish I could grab the words right out of the middle of the air, right? I was like, oh, did I just say that, right? God, God, God gives you wisdom. He gives you discernment. He gives you understanding. He, he cultivates your tongue to say the things that he wants to say. And you walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so very early in the morning, Jesus rises to seek his father, to find his father. He knew this intimate personal time with his father was the source of his power and his authority. Friends, if Jesus had a dependent relationship with the father, how much more do you think we need one? Amen? I mean, if, Je- if Jesus thinks it's important to go and, and, and spend time with the Father, being God the Son, he's, he's fully man and fully God, yet in his humanity, he has to seek the guidance of the Father. I love that. I love that. And I'm telling you, man, your marriage will be better. And, uh, you know, Satan just loves to distract us. You know, the, the cares of the world and, the, and everything. I encourage you, you know, shut your phone off. Don't look at social media. How many of you look at your, don't raise your hand. How many of you look at your phone in the morning before you look at your Bible? I do. You don't even answer your text. I do that sometimes. I heard it buzzing, so I got to see who it is. And, and the Lord convicted me on this, right? Listen, if your relationship with Jesus, if your devotional time with Jesus, if your prayer life with Jesus is lacking, I challenge you to rearrange your hobbies, rearrange your, your personal life, rearrange your relationship, fast from your social media, fast from TV. Fast from, from your phone. I mean, that's right. I mean, talk, I'm, I'm like biting my nails when I do that. Yet, the first thing, and, I don't, and, and guys, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm a man. I don't do this every single morning. I do my best, but I have eight kids, and sometimes things happen, right? 
But, I, but I, I try my best, even then, even then with the kids around, to at least try to go into my room and get on my knees. In my old house that, that I built for my wife, I had a prayer closet that I actually put into the plans of, of what we built into the house. I don't have that luxury in this new house. Every, every square inch is taken up. But I had a prayer room, and even my kids would go in there and use it. It's, it's, it's such a, a wonderful, wonderful place. So Jesus, he gets up. He wants to hear God's voice, and yet Jesus, even though this great revival broke out, um, uh, Jesus knew that things would come up, and there'd be trials and ministry opportunities, and he said, you know what, I'm not too busy, I'm not so busy that I can't just spend time with God, and guys, if you jump into everything, and here's the temptation, if you have a lot to do and you look at your list of things to do and you know you're trying to fit 20 hours of work in a 10 hour work week and 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 you're just going and going and going and going and going and going and going here's what i know matter of fact martin luther even says it he goes today is going to be one of the busiest days of my life so i'm going to spend 3 hours in prayer this morning and and what i find happens is when i spend that time with the lord things just fall into place I know what to say to people. I know I, I, I have wisdom and discernment and understanding into situations and, 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 and I just can walk with Jesus and, and he uses me to minister and bless people. And yeah, I know. You, I know what you're thinking. Yep, this is what pastors always have to say. Yes, and I fail. I do. But I do my best. I do my best to make sure. And, and for me, personally, do you, can you imagine if we all did this, how much damage control that would, that, that would take place? I mean, it would be instant damage control if we all spent time with God most high. Now, very in the morning, verse 35, while it was still dark, he got up, went out, and made his way to a deserted place, and there he was playing. I, I want to look at that deserted place for a minute. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, it says this. It says, but when you pray... Go into your private room, shut your door, and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Interestingly enough, Jesus doesn't go into a room and shut the door. He goes and finds a deserted place. He seeks out a place where there will be no distractions and where he can hear from his father. And so we need to, I know it's hard if you do not find a place and you don't seek out that place, it's really, really difficult to hear from the Lord. And so I, I encourage you, I challenge you. I, I used to go to a coffee shop and do it. It just didn't work for me. Now I go to the library and I get uh, my own private room. I get my own private room at the library. You can sign up for them. You can get online. You can get one. And I go in there and I spend time with the Lord and I read the scriptures and I seek his face. And that's, that's really what works good for me. And, it, and if it's nice out, I can go in my backyard sometimes and make sure I bring Peaches' Bible out there with me because she'll be there in just a second. And I, and I say, honey, you need to be quiet for 10, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, hour, however long I need with the Lord that morning. And, and she's pretty good about that. Now, there's a prophecy in Isaiah that I want to talk about for a second. A prophecy in Isaiah that talks about Jesus' crucifixion. But there's something very interesting, and I, and, I, and I think I want to nail down the importance of this from this prophecy. Because with this prophecy, 
the, the, the part about his um, crucifixion is actually after the part about his devotional life. I find that very interesting. Why would the God of the universe 750 years before Jesus Christ prophesy about Jesus' devotional life? I think, well, I don't think, I know it's because it's that important. I think that God wanted us to know that Jesus' intimacy with the Father, Jesus speaking and listening to the Father, was important for us. Matter of fact, it's in Isaiah. It'll be on the screens. You can read with me. Isaiah 50, verse 4. The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are instructed to know how to sustain the weary with a word. Wow, think about that for a second. How many times did Jesus speak encouragement into somebody's life? How many times when a weary leper would come up to him, right, and Jesus would touch him and then speak encouragement into his life? How many times that the woman at the well spoke words of encouragement and, and told her she could have living water? The woman caught in adultery. On and on the list goes. Jesus spoke words to the weary. And he heard it from his father. I want to read that again. The Lord has given me the tongue of those who are instructed to know how to sustain the weary with a word. He awakens me each morning. He awakens me each morning. He awakens my ear to listen like those being instructed. The Lord God has opened my ear and I was not rebellious. I did not turn back. I gave my back to those who beat me and my cheeks to those who tore out my beard. I did not hide my face from scorn and spitting. And we know Jesus had communion with the Father. It didn't matter if it's in this text that we have this morning, whether it was in the Garden of Gethsemane. In the Garden of Gethsemane, what did Jesus do there? He did a battle in the Spirit before it confronted him in the flesh. Jesus was on his knees asking the Lord to give him strength to go to the cross. He was also there. He asked, if this, is, if this is your will, Father, if this is your will, I'm going. If not, will you take it from me? You guys know the story. Yet here's Jesus doing battle in prayer, in devotional time, lining his will with the Father's. And that's exactly what he's doing in our text this morning, lining his will with the Father. He is grabbing a hold of the dependence that we can only find in God the Father. And his dependence every step of the way was with God. Wow, I mean, this is Jesus here receiving instruction and listening to his Father. Friends, if you don't get anything else, get this. This is this beautiful picture of Jesus here. You will never understand Jesus, his life, power, ministry, miracles, obedience, or anything else in the life of Jesus outside of this. This is something key that you absolutely have to take home with you. This time with the Father is everything to be strengthened upon. God, you know, dependence on God is not something we just do in a crisis. It's not something that we just do in an emergency. Listen, the tendency is when things are going good, you spend less time with the Lord. When things are going well is when we should spend more time with the Lord because something's coming. 
And you're going to either respond in the flesh or you're going to respond in the spirit. And chances are, if you're spending time with the Father, 999 times out of a thousand, you will respond in the spirit if you have been doing, if you have been practicing, practicing the presence of God in your life, the dependence of God in your life, the calling upon the Lord in your life. Praying without ceasing, communing with the Father. Starting early in the morning, the first thing that you see is the Word of God. And when you shut your eyes at night, right before you turn off the light, the last thing you see is the Word of God. Calling upon the name of the Lord first thing in the morning and praising Him and repenting in the evening. And like I said before, first thing in the morning, I get up and I, and, and, I, and, I, and I try to get guidance from the Lord and I clothe myself with his righteousness. And then during that day, I, I'm ripping off those clothes and those clothes are getting dirty and stained and I'm sinning and left and I'm sinning right. And then in the nighttime, I repent. I fall. That, that's when I do my repenting and I, and I ask God to cleanse me and heal me and, and change me and, 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 and renew me. And if, you, and if you make that a daily practice in your life, friends, you're going to see power come into your life. You're going to see people are going to look at you and they're going to want what you have. They're going to want what you have. And you know what? They're, and just like they told the disciples, these are unlearned men. These are unlearned men. They hadn't gone to our schools. They hadn't studied the word like we studied the word. Yeah, and then somebody speaks up and goes, yeah, but they've been with Jesus. Yeah, they've been with Jesus. And people are going to look at you and do the same, friends. They're going to say, you know what? That guy's been with Jesus. That, that lady's been with Jesus. That 10-year-old's that been with Jesus. That, that teenager's been with Jesus. It's a fact. And it's truth. For without him, we can do nothing. In John verse eight, I mean, chapter 8, verse 25, it says this, Who are you? Here are the scribes and the Pharisees questioning him. Exactly what I've been telling you from the very beginning, Jesus told them. I have many things to say and to judge about you, but the one who sent me is true. And what I have heard from him. Yeah, he heard some of it in heaven, but I guarantee you he heard most of it every morning. These things I tell the world, they did no, they did not know he was speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own. Listen, friends, for without Jesus, we can do nothing. For without him, we can do nothing. But what Jesus is saying here, he's saying without the Father, I can do nothing. So what's that say to you and me? If Jesus, who's God the Son and the Son of God and the, and, 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 and the man and, and, and the Son of Man, if he needs to resource Jesus, I mean resource the Father, how much more do you and I need to resource the Father? And he goes on to say, but just as the Father taught me, I say these things, the one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone because I always do what pleases him. And of course, there's obedience too. I doubt, you know, here's the thing. Jesus spent that time in the Garden of Gethsemane seeking his face because he wanted to please the Father. He wanted to be obedient. So he was doing the battle in the spirit before the cross confronted him in the flesh 
because he had the power of Almighty God and every angel and every legion of angel at his disposal. I mean, if you and I were hanging on that cross, you know what you and I would do, right? We would turn everybody that put us there into a pile of ash and get right down off that thing. But not Jesus. Jesus was able to humbly submit himself. Jesus was able to let them stretch out his arms and nail him to the cross. The same one that holds your breath in the palm of his hands stretched out the palm of his hands to be nailed to that cross. The same one that created the thorns that were pushed on his head allowed the thorns to be pushed on his head. The same one whose back set against that cedar cross. The trees in which he spoke into existence in the seven-day creation. That same Jesus did it for you and for me. That same Jesus, because of who he was, and his relationship and obedience to the Father. Cultivating the life that we see in these pages of scriptures. He was able to do it obediently. With you on his mind. Let that just soak in for a second. And you and I can withstand incredible suffering. Incredible trials, incredible temptations, incredible, incredible torturing. If we cultivate a life of dependence on God and intimacy with God. Seek his face while he may be found. Cultivate. Now, in closing, I want to look at this last verse here. I mean, it's pretty awesome. Actually, the last two verses I'll read. Start in verse 36, 30, actually 36 through 38, I'll read. Simon and his companions searched for him. Peter and his companions searched for him. And when they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. What are you doing out here, dude? Dude, don't you see the revival? We got momentum. Everything is going great. Everything's amazing. Come on, you got to get back in town. What are you doing spending time? You know, stop praying. What are you doing praying? Stop it. Come on. We got things to do. There's urgency going on there. Don't you see what's going on here? Jesus is awesome here. I mean, check this out. I mean, how many people try to get you on their agenda, right? Hey, listen, I got plans for your life, right? You know, who cares what the Lord does? I have plans. You know, get onto my agenda. I got plans for you. Not Jesus. Jesus, he, he, this is awesome. He says, and he said to them, let's go to the neighboring villages so that I may preach there too. This is why I've come. Can you, could you imagine these guys' faces when they said that? When Jesus said that? They're like, what? But we're having a revival. People are lining up at the, at the door. You're, you're casting out demons. You're healing people. You're, you're restoring people. You're saving people. All, and Jesus says, you know what? I just spent time with my father, and he tells me I got to go to the villages. I got to leave this happening city and go to little podunk towns, basically. That, that's that, that's what, he's, what he's saying here. Little country rural towns. Yet there was a leper there. A leper that that God wanted to touch. And we'll look at that next week. That's one of them. It is my favorite story in all of Scripture. It's my favorite sermon to preach, too, by the way, next week. So bring your friends. 
It's, it's, it is awesome. You can read ahead. But God, had a, God has a plan for your life. And Peter, on the other hand, was wrapped up in the tyranny of the urgent. If you haven't read that little book, it's a little 40-page book called Tyranny of the Urgent. It's amazing. Charles Hummel, he wrote it. He says this. He says, your greatest danger is letting the urgent things crowd out the most important things. When we fail to wait prayerfully for God's guidance and strength, we are saying with our actions, if not our words, that we do not need him. How much of our service is actually a going it alone? Or how much of our service actually is being swayed by others who have not spent time with the Lord? And you can guarantee that your team here prays. They pray for you. They pray for this church. They pray for the church's direction. And all I ask of you over the next period of, of however long we're together as a church, all I ask of you is that you would spend time with the Lord before you have an idea. Or if you have an idea, spend time with the Lord before you come up and give it to me. Okay? That's all I ask. Because if you've spent time with the Lord, I'm listening. If you have cultivated an intimacy with the Lord, I'm listening. If you have, if you have done the blessed, blessed work of, of, of wearing calluses in your knees and weeping over the lost and, and praying for this church, I'll listen to you. But if not, please don't bring the tyranny of the urgent. I want to hear that you're hearing from God. I want to hear that you, you might have a good idea, and it could be a great idea, but I, I still want you to take it to the Lord in prayer before you bring it to me. And I promise you this, I'll do the same to you. And, and, and you know, I, I love communing with the Lord. I commune with him in the morning, I commune with him at night. And if you come up to me with a problem or an issue and you want me to pray for you, I am asking God what he wants me to say to you. And because I have this relationship with the Lord, I'm hearing from the Lord. And, and I try to use scripture and I try to encourage you. And I try uh, just, uh, it, it, the Lord speaks to me. I, I, I knew a dear sister uh, in this body was struggling and the Lord laid it on my heart to call her. And I got the number from, from Laura and I called and it, she was having incredible difficulty. The Lord told me to call her. I, I want you to have that relationship with the Lord where he will tell you, look, my, my daughter the daughter of the king needs encouragement. My, my son, he needs you to, to go visit him. He's sick. He's in, whatever it, is, it may be, God wants to speak to his people. He's in the business of speaking, but he will not speak if you're not waiting and listening and cultivating an intimacy with him. And so you, can, you, could, you could say this is a plea. A plea to please. Your dad's waiting, saying, look, I got a banqueting table of gifts for you. I got all the resources in heaven waiting for you. I have power and might and wisdom, even honor, understanding, discernment, waiting for you. I have healing and joy and peace waiting for you. All you got to do is ask. All you got to do is ask. Because I want to give the riches of heaven to you, your father's saying. So come to the fount of living water. Come to the resource. 
Come cultivate a relationship with me and watch what I do in your life. I love my king. I love my friend. (laughs) And sometimes when I go to him, he's my Lord. Other times, according to Hebrews, I go to him, he's my brother. Other times I go to him as a friend. Other times I go to him as a little child expecting to get whooped because I've blown it again. (laughs) You know, when my kids repent and ask forgiveness immediately, I, I never discipline them. It's when they harden their heart. Oh, Lord. People have their plans. <laughs> Dependence on, upon God and prayer and seeking His face is everything. Making a decision without seeking and waiting upon Him is at best problematic and at worst disastrous. It can cost you relationships. It can cost you time. It can cost you money. It can cost you all kinds of hardships in your life. And here Peter is. (laughs) I love the implication here. What in the world are you doing praying for goodness sakes? We have momentum. There's revival. And what Peter's saying there, he's saying let the circumstances drive you. Let the pressure drive you. Let the urgent drive you. Let the people drive you. Let the stress drive you. Let the world drive you. Let the devil drive you. I love Jesus. He just says, you know what? Father, I give you this. I want to speak to you. Could you imagine if you never cultivated a relationship with your wife or your husband? If you never talked to each other, never spent time together? What kind of relationship would that, what kind of marriage would that be? If you guys just walked by each other and went, huh? Sit at the dinner table and ate on your phones. You ever go to the restaurant, people are out on a date and they're on their... What kind of relationship is that? I love spending time with my wife, cultivating a relationship with my... Listening to my wife, pouring my heart out to my wife. That's what a relationship is, friends. That's what it is. That's the beauty of relationship. And if you're not doing it, you're missing the sweetest part of your life. It's from this place the streams of living water flow. Don't miss it. You will never understand the deep things of God and his beautiful plan for your life. Never. You will live a life of mediocrity. And not abundance. And purpose. And power. And meaning. And impact on the world. This training instructor, he trains. They train SEALs. They train the ATF. They train the police departments, sheriff departments. Um, 
They trained my wife. He's a firearms instructor. And he said this interesting quote. My wife texted it to me, and I thought it was very interesting. He said this. He said, here's a guy that doesn't know Jesus, but listen to this. Train in the things you want to remember during a high-stress situation. We will do whatever we have trained ourselves to do in a stressful situation. If we train with repetition when life is peaceful, we can perform with accuracy when life is a battle. Because under stress, you will perform at the lowest level of your training. So train for perfection. Wow, Christian. <laughs> wow. God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. He might have saved you, but now he wants to take you deep. He wants to show you the deep things of God. Wait upon him. Meditate on his scripture. Call upon his name and listen to his voice and leading. Amen? Stand with me and pray with me. We're going to receive communion together.